Welcome to Coach, the professional coaching podcast. Conversations to explore what coaching is really all about, what it takes to be a great coach, and why coach training really does make the difference. Discover how coaching can help you in all areas of your life and business in a fast-paced and demanding world. So join us here to share conversations and insights with some of the best coaches from around the globe. Real coaches, real talk. So let's get started with me, your host, Teresa Brooks. So welcome, welcome, Melissa, to the podcast and welcome, listeners, to the Coach Podcast. Um, another episode for you with a super lady all the way from California, somewhere that I'm super fond of. Um, and Melissa Lapidez, she is, you know, a very special lady and somebody that I have followed for a very long time. And we've come together on this podcast to bring you an episode which is really, really foundationally about ethics and standards. And anyone that's listened to this podcast and listened to me for long enough, you'll know that that is a real passion of mine, um, but not a, not a preach, as I always say. So this is about education, about learning. Um, so I would love to welcome Melissa um, and I will let her introduce herself, of course. But Melissa, like I say, she's based in California. And Melissa is the founder of the Safe Space Institute, um, and she's an integrative psychotherapist and trauma expert. And she, her focus really in her mission is all about psychological safety, trauma-informed healing, and practices based on her safe method. And so we're going to be talking about the industry, specifically the personal development industry and the coaching industry, and the impact of this. So first of all, um, welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be here. This is some of my favorite things to talk about. And I really appreciate what you're doing and sharing the message and really, you know, standing for ethics in an industry that doesn't have many um, embedded into it. <laughs> yes. And, it, and it's really interesting because just before we, we came on air, we, we started to get into it. And I said, let's record because this is the good stuff that we want people to listen to. Um and I was just just sharing with Melissa and I'll share with you listening as well that when I first came into the industry in 2018, I had done my training over the sort of previous seven or eight months. And I hadn't even considered doing a job like being a coach, for instance, without the training. It was the first thing once I discovered I wanted to do that rather than consulting. And I went and found an accredited training course with a fabulous trainer. Very lucky to, to find the training I did. And went ahead and then when I came into the industry fresh faced and ready to support and coach and help people forward I noticed that not everyone seemed to be trained and I don't think that the concept of the unregulated industry had really dropped into my mind at that point I wasn't truly aware of that and I started to wonder why there were people telling me how to make money, why there were people sharing their innermost souls, why there were people asking me, Melissa, do you struggle with this? Is this really a problem for you? And all these like pain point questions. And I was thinking, why is this so negative? That was my first impression. Okay. Why is this so negative? I thought this was an empowering, positive space. This is where I'm coming from. Okay. So I was a little wet behind the ears. I was new to that particular environment. But I wasn't new to life and certainly not to trauma and my own experiences. And so I, I, I sensed I was really uneasy with it, really uneasy. And I wondered if I'd come into the wrong space. 
And I felt like I was overreacting a little. I felt quite anxious. I would be up late at night thinking, gosh, have I done the right thing? You know, where do I fit in all of this? Do I need to be like that? And I remember at the time, my actual system feeling quite what we would call, you know, and what I've learned from you and many other coaches in my own work, quite dysregulated, quite anxious, quite worried. And feeling that I was overreacting. We were just talking about that. And that, that was my introduction and why I then really felt that I wanted to create something which could become almost like just a touch point of any shape or form to say, listen, ethics are important. Training is important. Um, and you don't have to be the best at everything, but you do really need to look at training. And these are the reasons why. And I never wanted to be preachy because I'm, I'm not judge and jury. But I just think the more awareness, the better. And so that's what Coach is about. That's why the podcast is here, the magazine that you're going to have an article in. And I hope in my little corner of the Internet in Coach to be a voice and a part of changing that, really, not necessarily the regulation. And we'll talk about how you're involved in that. But just the, the message of it and the awareness, really, for the protection of not only the clients, but ourselves, because we are also the clients and it, it all moves around. So what do you think about that, Melissa? Because when I said to you, oh, I felt like I was overreacting a little there or, you know, being a bit dramatic, I think was the word I used. Um, and you very quickly reassured me that I wasn't and I wasn't alone. So do you want to tell me a little bit more about your response to that? Yeah. So what I said was that your senses were accurate and there is a lot of predatory kind of uh, marketing, advertising and coaching. To be honest, the way that people coach is very predatory and psychologically manipulative. And so what you were sensing was right on. And I said, it's like, you know, there, because there's no regulatory board, it's the Wild West and anybody can do anything under the name of being a coach, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we see is a lot of uh, unethical behavior in the industry. And it's, it's really dangerous because most of the people that are looking for coaches or wanting to have coaching do have a vulnerability because they're asking for help in some way to grow their life, to support their well-being, to have them move forward. And this creates a real um, power dynamic that could be dangerous if there is not ethics in place and rules in place. Like as a therapist, we have 20 million guidelines of what we can and cannot do, mm. just like any other healthcare professional. I don't know who really thought that we could take mental health out of coaching and separate the two and have coaching be its own thing with no rules and, and regulations when a lot of these coaches, and I'm saying this in quotes, that aren't aren't certified, have no training, they're literally advertising to support people's mental health. Like you're saying, are you anxious? Is your stress level high? Did, well, we're speaking to mental health, right? A lot of these in influencer, I call them quotes, coaches, they're speaking to people's mental health. They're speaking to people's, like you said, pain points and mm. what people consider 
deficiencies in their life. And then they're offering these magical solutions, which is so easy to fall prey to when you're in a space of wanting to be something more than you are. And that's why most people come into coaching because they want to expand on their potentiality, which is a, a wonderful thing to want to do. It's amazing that people will step up to do that kind of work because we know it takes a lot just to even get in the ring to look at ourselves and discover ourselves on that level. And then we have, you know, these predators that are waiting to take money from vulnerable people that really want support. And part of the predatory um, way is through the marketing and through the advertising and through the look at me, look at my life, look how great it is. You could have this too for a small price of $20,000, you know, it's like, <laughs> wow. And then what you get on the mm. inside of a lot of these programs is complete fluff and air. And so people are buying into a dream that is actually a lot of magical thinking, which we know a lot of people that have trauma use magical thinking as one of their biggest defense mechanisms. So it's actually a perfect net for people with unhealed childhood trauma to fall into because it works perfectly with the defense mechanisms that they use. And I have zero doubt that the people who are doing this have well-studied persuasion and manipulation and how to get into people's psyches to literally draw on those things that they feel or have weaknesses around and then offer the perfect solution. Mm. And to me, that is just so beyond dangerous and unethical that coming into this industry like you and just being absolutely shocked at what is going on. I felt unethical not to start to do something about it or speak up about it or really share my experience from a, uh, you know, a educated background in, I have a lot of history in psychological manipulation and a lot of research around that topic. And so it just, fascinated me coming into this industry and seeing all the psychological manipulation that's happening with no consequences or discipline with the people that are are being predatory in this way yeah absolutely no consequences and and that's the dangerous ground isn't it and there's a couple of things that you said there that are really interesting just want to go back to the point where you you talked about coaches that aren't trained and that point is so important Because actually true coaching is a very safe space. True coaching, where it's not meandering over here and it's not crossing the boundary over there. And very much it's, it's a very, it's non-directive and it's very much about somebody, you know, resourcing themselves because they have all the resources they need. And so that coaching is really that facilitation. And that's the art and the skill of asking a question. And then receiving that answer and that person is being led through that process. And that gives you, as the coach, the clue for the next question. So it's not about roaming around in all the other pockets. And so if someone hasn't been trained, and as you know, I'm trained in NLP and I'm an NLP trainer now. And we have a big focus. Well, my training did. This is the other thing. They vary on ecology. Ecology is so important. 
what's suitable to work with for this particular process you know what is what isn't really setting up resources and safety angles all kinds of things before any anything is done establishing that relationship that's really important to me also like you say based on my history i've had people mess with me during this period of time in this industry so coaching in itself is really pure and shouldn't really cross the lines of all these other things so the question is what is going on but of course if you haven't been trained well or at all it's it's the wild west like you say the other thing is that you know certainly with my coach training came a set of ethics a global set of ethics and i send a copy of that out to every single client and they probably don't read it but it's the point of like this is how i'm contracting with you this is how i'm operating and i often read through that just to refresh myself you know to take a check because we're not perfect absolutely but there is a got there's a whole global code of ethics so any accredited training that will be accessible to any coach but i wonder you know coaches that are untrained they don't feel that they should be there's a real sense of arrogance there or like i don't need it Technically, you don't need it. No one's going to come and tell you you can, can't do this. But again, it's the ethics. It's the intention. So that, that's one point. And then when you talk about the manipulation, you know, there's such a big difference between true coaching and great coaches and then great marketers and money makers, right? There is, there is a big difference and they're not necessarily the same people and it doesn't always necessarily cross over. There's many coaches out there who have not been able to make a business from it. There's many fabulous coaches who are flying under the radar, okay, for lots of reasons. And those who shout the loudest, okay, get the pickings, right? Um, It's really interesting. And so I always think it's the intention as well. The, The other thing, Melissa, that I spotted, and I think the reason I spotted it is because my previous career was in sales. So I've been trained to a super high level in sales. And I could see it you know, what was going on. And I've, I've trained women in sales and it's very interesting because I realized that the selling wasn't really the problem, <laughs> needing to know how to sell. But I was like, wow, they're kind of playing with sales here, but also there's no psychological safety in the way that they're selling. And it's just hitting yeah. and hitting and hitting on these pain points with no actual focus and intention for the outcome for the client, you know? And so I could see a lot of that as well. And I think I'm very cautious in myself of who I would trust and who I want to work with and et cetera. And I'm very trustworthy as a result. But all of this really started to kind of trigger a lot in me. And so since I came in the industry, I found out so much more. I've done more work on myself. I'm grateful for people like you and lots of other people that I follow that have been massively key in me going, hmm, now there's a thing. And I did not know that being a coach and and NLP is really just a first introduction to mindset. And then you get deeper and deeper and realize there's lots of other stuff behind it. So for me, it's been quite the journey, quite the journey, but I do see this industry has got worse. Why do you think it has got worse in this area? What is this focus and obsession with the description of how much you make before the work that you do? So the six, seven, eight, twelve, twenty-four, whatever figure before prefixing the work that you do. So what are people actually buying here, do you think? Yeah, I think they think they're buying into freedom. 
you know, and that's like what every human wants at the core is to feel freedom, right? Is to be free. Because if, if I had a, you know, that kind of income, I'd be free. I wouldn't have any worries anymore. So it's such the perfect point, right? To sell people that freedom that you're mm-hmm. going to be happy. You're going to be free. You will have all the money, right? And we could really see the trap there in, in this area because when we're, marketing to somebody's deepest desires, right? And and they they hit the nail on the head. Like especially in times when we're having a global pandemic and you know the nature of the financial market is so insecure. People want to have financial security and freedom. And so I think in the last few years, especially since we went through the pandemic and it created such a great sense of insecurity for people and things are changing so much in the corporate arena and there's lots of layoffs, it's the perfect time to come in and and sweep up those people that are in distress on some level about that specific thing. And so I believe that these you know, marketing geniuses that are not putting integrity first have really figured out how to hone in on people's biggest weakness right now. And then they bring them in and they teach them fluff. They teach them how to do exactly what they're doing, which is turn around and say the same things about their financial goals, which a lot of it is is lies from what I hear. These people aren't even really making as much as they say. Mm -hmm. And it's become this whole culture of money worship, which is really far from the intention of what coaching and counseling and consulting is. We're supposed to be an industry that is supporting humanity and the progress of personal development and emotional development, how it turned into a, you know, a financial thing is it's just beyond me too. I I really don't understand how people have the, the, I don't know how they have it in them to do such a, an awful thing to make money for themselves. It's just beyond unethical and it's beyond harmful. Mm. And the truth is that it actually takes a lot of skill to train, to be, to become a coach, to, to bother to, you know, reflect, to work on it. To, it. It does. And I think, you know, many just can't really be bothered with that. They're not actually coaching, but they're pushing people through systems and processes that are not really aligned at all with the client and the client's well-being, the client's makeup, the client's uniqueness. That's why I love one-to-one coaching a lot. Um, because it's really, really bespoke. It's really, really one-on-one. Um, let's go back a little bit to, to you, Melissa, and your journey to being in this space. And, you know, a little bit about, you know, maybe if you want to share your personal experience or, you know, what kind of got you along your journey to being a psychotherapist and then ultimately to creating this institute, because I'm sure that there's some real gold in there with your story. Yeah, actually, when I got divorced, I was living in a two bedroom apartment with my three kids. And I got hired to work for a woman that was a coach that got trained through landmark uh, education. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I started watching 
her methods and the way she would hard pressure sell people. And I'm like, whoa, like this is not right. And, you know, she was paying me really well to work there and work in some of her coaching programs. And I started feeling that feeling that you felt like this isn't safe. This doesn't feel good. Something's really off here. And through her, I met a bunch of these young coach in quotation influencer girls that would hire me to do coaching with them. And I started seeing this trend of like, oh no, these, these girls should not be coaching anybody. They are very mentally unwell and they're playing into this trauma that they have. That's becoming like this mean girl thing, right? It's like, you want to be part of me. You want to be like me. You want to be cool too. sign up for this program, right? You want to make the money. You want to have the luxury. You want to have the lifestyle. And I just could not believe as I opened the door into this world, what I was seeing. And I went all the way down the rabbit hole just to start to immerse myself into this world more and more. And I hired, ended up hiring a business coach at one point because I'm like, I got to put this message out there. And I ended up hiring a coach that was the same as these girls. Like she did not, like you're saying, there was no individualized care. She didn't see me. She missed me. It was a fortune Mm -hmm. that I spent on her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now I've fallen in the trap too. (laughs) And so um, it really motivated Mm -hmm. me to take it even further and start to seek out, you know, um, legal support around this and see like why there was no regulatory board and how that could be put in place and start to make this movement myself because nobody else was doing it. And Mm -hmm. I felt, you know, it was like divinely orchestrated that I just opened the door into this world. And it was like dominoes, like one after the other, I just started seeing like really bad people in powerful positions in the industry. And for a lack of, you know, other ways to put it, a lot of personality disordered people in high positions, making lots of money in the coaching industry, taking advantage of vulnerable people. And I felt like I just can't sit here and watch this anymore. I have got to disrupt what's happening and start to speak up about it. And I got so much backlash from doing that in the very beginning and, you know, still somewhat, Um, and it's been quite the journey because, you know, as I have been speaking up, I've gained a lot of momentum with people that have been hurt and haven't had a place to speak about it or didn't even realize that they were hurt until I started talking about some of these dangerous ways that people are coaching and marketing. And so I think it started to wake a lot of people up to be like, oh, wow, just like you, when you came in, like, why am I, why have I been feeling this way? This actually isn't healthy to Mm -hmm. feel this way in this industry and in these coaching dynamics. And so, yeah, it's been about three years since I've come into the industry. And I think it's been about two years since I've been running my program and really been speaking up about what what I see here. And 
this is just the beginning because I am really, really determined to bring a disciplinary board and regulations and guidelines into this industry to protect the mental well-being of a lot of vulnerable people that uh, fall prey to these traps. Mm. And can I ask you a question? When you went through that kind of, as you described it, the, the rabbit hole, and you were kind of like drawn into that world as well, in the respect and in the frame of trauma, how did that damage you? What was happening to you? What was your experience in that period of time that wasn't good for you? Yeah, I um, I think that for me, I lost my power personally to somebody that I thought was going to guide me in the right direction, right? The same as anyone that would sign up with a coach or a mentor. So signed up with a business mentor, thought she would have my best interest in mind, paid a heck of a lot of money to work with her. And I started seeing like, oh, so this is how these business coaches work. There is no attunement whatsoever. And by the way, it's not all business coaches. So I don't want to like, no, no category because there's wonderful business coaches. But the one that I signed up with in particular had great marketing around diversity and inclusion and bringing women up. And I was like, sure, through her marketing and stuff that she was the right coach for me. And little by little, I started realizing she doesn't even see me. There is zero attunement. She's having me make moves in my business that are dysregulating me so deeply. And she does not care because she's not attuned to me. And so at one point, I had to just push the brakes with her and address it. And what I was met with was complete gaslighting around, you're just not willing to do the work. You don't want to work hard enough. You have mental health issues that are getting in the wet. All of this kind of gaslighting. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. This is now becoming more and more apparent to me that people who either grew up with parents that were not emotionally regulated, not emotionally validating or dismissive and gaslighting will be so attracted to these people and really believe that they've done something wrong, that it is on them. Mm. Well, through my own personal work and development, um, thank God I have the confidence and the discernment to know, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Like you're not doing what you should be doing ethically mm-hmm. in this relationship. And this is very, very, very unsafe and traumatizing. And, you know, she never met me with any kind of validation around that. It was all like blame. And so I started to hear this is, this is the same story that I get from so many of my clients and students now. It's the same kind of typical way yeah. when they do speak up and they do address these coaches, they're met with gaslighting. They're met with it. It's a you problem, or you need to look at that trigger in you that's coming up because you're angry. And so it, it plays out an unhealed dynamic from childhood usually. Mm-hmm. And what I notice with a lot of people who do fall into that trap is that there is unhealed trauma that attracts them into these kind of dynamics, these power dynamics with these coaches. And it's very easy to lose your power to somebody that 
really knows how to manipulate the psyche. And a lot of these really big name coaches that have, you know, huge followings and influence, they are psychological manipulators, literally. Yeah. And and that's the thing. It's so subtle, you know, because there's, there's lots of things in there that, you know, that's general client wouldn't know. Maybe they've never looked at their unhealed trauma. Maybe they don't even know what those two words together actually mean. And like, what, what do you mean? And what is that? They would be oblivious to it because they think they're hiring a business coach and they're trying to stretch themselves and their goals. And then it starts to feel uncomfortable and they're feeling unhappy and it, it goes and goes like that. So let, let me ask you, just let's get um, a little bit of description around that, like how that unhealed trauma, what that might look like, what that might be and how it might show up in that relationship. You've sort of alluded to it a little bit, but for people that are thinking, you know, what what is that? What is what is unhealed childhood trauma? Can you just tell us a little bit about that, Melissa? Yeah, so unhealed childhood trauma, everybody has it on some level, whether they realize it or not. And there's different levels, obviously. But when you are um, a child, your relational style will be based on how your primary caregivers can meet your needs. And a lot of us actually didn't have our needs met as children. And it doesn't mean like, my parents didn't give me food and water, but sometimes it's emotional validation, which every human really needs to gain a sense of self-confidence and self-esteem and self-security. And Mm -hmm. so if you had a parent that was not emotionally stable, was not emotionally available, um, was not consistent in the way that they can meet you emotionally, it creates a relational style for you where you're always seeking approval or you're dying to be validated from an external source. And so many people carry this kind of wounding from childhood without even realizing it. And it gets passed on generationally. Like if your Mm. mother's mother's mother didn't meet her, right? This stuff can get passed Mm. on through the generations in families. And so many people are carrying this kind of wounding from their childhood and various other types of wounding as well. So when we, especially in times like a global pandemic, right? This is when we saw the coaching industry really take off. So during times of the unknown, our trauma will surface, right? Mm. And we become really nervous and anxious if we don't have that sense of self-security built in. So COVID comes and what happens? So many people's traumas are activated and they're feeling insecure and scared and really in this unknown space. And then when they're being met, with people that are like, I have the answer, I have the security you're looking for, I have the fix to your anxiety, it's an easy hook, right? And so those kind of definitive marketing messages match perfectly with the trauma that is activated in humanity. And this is where we saw the coaching industry just go wild during Mm -hmm. COVID Mm -hmm. because it was the perfect time 
where we're in this huge unknown to really hook in a bunch of vulnerable people. Yeah, exactly. And perhaps people listening to the podcast are thinking, well, yeah, you know, I had a a good childhood I mean most people will actually say that you know unless there's something outstanding you know because obviously people have very specific events and traumas but unless there's something outstanding most people would probably say well you know I think it was okay it's pretty good um when I speak to my clients I might ask them a little bit about that their background personal history and I can hear a lot of things and then it ties up with a lot of their patterns coming forward and you can see how it's all connected together you can also see that they're pretty oblivious to that um, and so when you go back to those pain points, we think about those, you know, are you lacking confidence? You know, do you struggle with getting visible? Is it, is it, it's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's like this whole tick of yeses, but there's so much more work to do under that. So say for instance, the women that have come through my sales program, it was much more of a transformational, not just transactional, but transformational. And the times where, I could really see all the light bulbs going off in that space was when we were talking about values and beliefs and specifically money mindset. And and that first half of like, who are you and what's your kind of purpose and what are you doing with what you're selling before you get to actually doing anything? And that was the part where many women then realized, you know what, I need to work in a different way. I need to look at my beliefs. I need to, to, to ground in that. And that does take time. You, you know, even I would say, There are some NLP processes, for instance, that will be ecologically sound for a particular kind of belief. But if it is a deep rooted belief that you can sense is really stuck down there in the unconscious, then I don't think the processes are the right ones. That's an ecological check. You know, and that's what I could kind of see coming out. And so I think because of my own experiences as well, like I put myself in the hands of somebody who interestingly had a kind of similar description to yourself just in terms of safe space healing and I listened to the podcasts and I researched and I listened to the podcast I listened to more and more and more so I didn't just jump in and I had so interesting how these things happen because I had a very strange process with this person which was incredibly dysregulating from the start and yet I still kept going with it because I believed that in there was the answer that I needed you know so I confided I opened up I had a very strange discovery call where the person wouldn't come on the zoom only on the audio all my flags were going off all my things everything that's the same thing that happened with the coach that I worked with she would never put the video on barely just audio like I'm paying this to not even really yeah And I was told, you don't need video for healing. You don't need video. It's not necessary. Because I said, look, could we just put the video on so I can see who I'm working with? I can just connect with you, just say hi. I don't mind working with audio only. But And that was a no, no. So I never actually saw their face. And there were several things that were really, they were flags for me. But my needs and what I needed and what I believed that, the person had drove me so it was all I can see now exactly what was going on how vulnerable I was at that particular time however when I then got the quote through and the sort of layout and this was kind of spiritual healing shaman stuff all of that kind of thing so it was all like I need to get the download 
for the program, for what will be right for you and all of this. And I was thinking, that's a little odd, but, you know, I'll go with it. You know, you do. And then when it came through on, on the email, it was just so vague, so vague. And yet it was supposed to be unique and specific for me and my situation. And yet the price seemed to be exactly the same as what was quoted on the website, you know. Um, so that didn't seem unique either, even though that was brought to her, channeled through her. And, and I'm thinking this is ever so odd. And so in the end, my sensibilities and who I'm, you know, one through and I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not I'm not going for this. And I'd paid for the consultations. That was fine. And when I said I wasn't going for it, oh, my Lord, did it rip? <laughs> did it rip? I could not believe it. I've never been abused so badly in my life, even beyond the abuse I have experienced. I, I was shocked. A whole stream torrent of abuse back on email. Um, just it was unbelievable, Melissa. I couldn't believe it. I shared it in my community. I did a live about it. It was horrendous telling me that I would always be abused if this is how I was going to treat people and that her time was sacred and how dare I do this, how dare I do that, um, how I was trying to steal her content and to create my own. And I'm like, wow, you're talking about womb work, which I did not even know what that was. It's very, very far from my sales empowerment coaching that I was doing at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, right, okay. And it was absolutely horrendous. And so what happened was all of her stuff was playing out. All of her triggers had gone off and she was projecting it all back on me. The whole thing literally scared the life out of me. I remember being on holiday with my daughter at the time and thinking, is she going to like send some really like evil energy to me or something like that? Because it was all this kind of stuff. And I was really concerned about it, really concerned. It took me quite a long time to regulate myself from that experience uh, and bring myself back into grounding. And you know what? It might sound crazy, but I'm still not sure if, if she did anything or she didn't do anything or that, that sort of like insidious, behavior behind it and and that happened to me I consider myself to be a very grounded smart intelligent individual that doesn't get blindsided easily okay so whilst I'm vulnerable in some areas I'm also not in others which is why I said no to her in the end but the terror of thinking if I had said yes and I'd gone through all these ritual stuff and whatever it was and all all can you even imagine what may have happened or what may have triggered for me or damaged me even further than the healing that I was seeking, you know, with good intention. And so that was one of the experiences I had. And, I, and you know, when I, I hear things that other people have been through and, and worse and financially bereft from it as well, it really, really does break my heart. Um because what people really need, and, and let's talk about that. Let's actually talk about the psychological safety aspect, if we can, Melissa, because that's clearly unsafe. And I had to experience that by going through it. Okay, it's a journey. This is how we learn. But but it's very dangerous for people, any people, right? But certainly what you're referencing, when people have got unhealed childhood trauma, especially that they are perhaps unaware of that remains deep down, and these kind of behaviors and this kind of work happens and the triggers go off. And of course, there's no safety there for the client should that happen. And you never know quite what might happen. Um, 
So let's talk about your, you know, talk to us about psychological safety in a coaching or professional help space. You know, what does that look like? To talk about your your safe method and your approach for us would be great. Yeah, psychological safety is about client-centered work. It's not about projecting what you want onto the client or how you your method is going to heal them, but it's about mm-hmm. being able to attune yourself to the needs of the client and meeting mm-hmm. them where they're at and teaching them how to meet their own needs, not creating a codependency where it's like, I have the answers and you follow me. It's more like we're walking through this together and I got your hand and I'm beside you and we're going to keep taking steps together to move you forward. And so it, it becomes a relationship dynamic that's healthy, right? It's like that mom is able to validate and meet the child's needs, right? Mm-hmm. And this could be a very reparative and healing experience for people if it's held properly. Now, when we get into these dynamics where it can repeat that trauma, right, or create that trauma of, I know what's best for you. You just have to follow along. And if you don't, you're not doing the work and you're not good enough and you're not trying hard enough and your energy is not at the right place, that's really dangerous and unhealthy. And this is the dynamic that a lot of these so-called coaches are taking with clients. There's even training programs out there that are literally training people to coach in this way with this kind of, of power dynamic that is absolutely high pressure, dysregulating to the nervous system. Now, can we see results with this? Yeah, we could see results, but it's like that, you know, it would be like that abusive parent that's like, get up and keep going. I don't care if you're crying, pick up your pants and let's go kind Mm. of thing. Right. And so, I mean, I saw a post yesterday, someone on Facebook that said, my whole coaching container just got yelled at and boy, did it help us all grow and move forward. And I was like, wow, wow, that is so unsafe. Like, and that people are excited about that. And, you know, we look at these huge names in the field um, of these personal development leaders and we see this happening on such a large scale where they're like, mm. rah, 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 let's push you through and break you open and make you move forward from this very forceful kind of, uh, adrenaline full energy, right? Which is not healthy for the nervous system. Mm -hmm. whatsoever. It pushes you way out of your window of tolerance. And this is exactly what psychological safety is, is staying in that window of tolerance and making sure that you and your client are both in that window of tolerance and having that full awareness of Mm. where am I as the practitioner? Am I in my window of tolerance? Am I in my safety zone? Am I practicing in my scope? Which if you're operating from outside of your window and you've lost that self-awareness while you're in the session, then you're not holding a safe space for your clients. And this kind of awareness of your own nervous system and your client's nervous system 
it doesn't happen by reading a book. It happens by having the experience over and over. It's an embodiment. It's a practice. It's something that you have to develop and grow consistently, just like any other muscle that you would build in your body. If you want to build that muscle of holding a safe space, you have to be committed to practicing it and sticking with it and staying on the court. Like as therapists, we are, we have to have supervision. We have to have people that could hold the space for us so that we could hold the space for others and that we're constantly practicing and having our own guidance. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's what psychological safety is Mm -hmm. in this arena. And I'm sure that anyone listening as well will, will feel the safety of those words, you know, in terms of what it feels like. And you talk about that, that sort of that relationship and that relational, you know, it happens in that trust, doesn't it? And if a client's becoming quite stressed or a little bit worked up about something, it's no good if then the coach is also getting stressed and worked up about something. And then, you know, it's, it's a whole load of projection, all sorts of things going on. And, and it happens because the clients are like mirrors, right? We're all mirrors to each other. And so I've noticed this as I've gone along. I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. You know, maybe what the client opened with, is this my session? Your session? Yeah, it just would be my exactly a reflection of my perhaps my landscape or my thought at the moment. But I'm able to put my boundaries in, know that and, and put that over there for later, for examination, for reflection, for what's going on and have the awareness that that has happened. And often that they turn out to be beautiful gifts. You know, so for instance, if a client will say something and that you do feel triggered or activated by something, um, you're able to then notice actually that is mine fully. That's so interesting. Just take it away. I always say it's like your greatest gift, like a little dog with a juicy bone. Just like, oh, have that later. <laughs> Go and have a look at that later. You know, talk to someone about that later. Um, and stay focused on your client and not allow yourself to fall out of your own zone. And, you know, I've taken several trainings in addition to my coaching, um, which was super important to me. And I did a trauma informed training. I'd love to do your program. We've talked about that before as well. Um, but it was so useful to, for me to realize this actually quite simple. You know, to hold that space as we talk about, you know, and it's a language that maybe not everyone appreciates. What does that mean? But it's actually quite simple, you know, and there's some really important values in there like choice and empowerment and safety. And what does that actually mean? And so when you have had training and do follow ethics and you do a training like that, you're like, oh, great. It all folds in and it just makes that even better. Um, Coaches that have a lot of complaints, refunds, problems, they take to Facebook to complain about their clients and the problems they've had. I'm like, "Mm -mm, I don't like that. And what are you doing? Um, because that suggests so much unsafety, even even in terms of how you're um, onboarding and doing your contracting and your paperwork and everything to have problems with that. And so I am fully, fully on board with how that needs to be safe. Um, but another question really about trauma and coaching, where where would you say the lines are? Let's talk about the lines, because like you said, you can't separate a person in many parts, many things. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. So if you do have that unhealed trauma there, 
that shows up there maybe in a subtle nuance there you know we're we're wonderful beings aren't we with all kinds of things going on so where do you think the lines are and what do you think the risks are for untrained coaches in that space for the coaches yeah I think that um you know it's it's very personal what I tell my students, where the lines are. And this is where we really have to know ourselves and our personal scope of practice and mm-hmm. what we have the capacity to hold as practitioners. And so you have to be mindful where you take a client. And if you are feeling like it's really safe territory to explore this area with the client, right? Because even as therapists, we have a personal scope of practice. And by the way, many therapists aren't trained in trauma, which baffles my mind. I have lots of therapists that come through my program. And so I think with trauma and with... Sorry, can I just stop you there? (laughs) I just want to rewind to what you said, because I'm I'm not sure that I perhaps was aware of that, or you've just sort of raised an awareness in me that I may have assumed that psychotherapists, for example, would have a level of trauma training. So let's just shine a light on that just for a minute. Not not the case. Surprise. No? Yes, surprise. <laughs> so a lot of right. therapists like are not trained in trauma. And a lot of therapists are actually doing cognitive behavioral work for trauma because that's how they're trained. And we know that cognitive behavioral work is actually going to work against healing trauma in a way. It's useful to bring in at some point, but Mm. you can't use it to heal trauma, right? Trauma is in the body. We know that it's best worked with somatically Mm. and there are very specific ways to address trauma and to hold space for people that have trauma. Uh, trauma needs to be seen and heard in a safe space. The The depths of the emotion that's stuck around the trauma needs to be processed because mm-hmm. what trauma is, is unprocessed stuck emotions that are stuck in the physical as well as the mental because it's so closely related. So mm-hmm need to have safe spaces to be able to explore what's happening in the deeper levels of our unconscious and our embodiment and how we hold things that have not had space to be processed through us. And so many therapists are actually not trained in this, which is so surprising to me too. I happen to go to an amazing college that I uh, picked out specifically because of its progressive nature that really embodied a lot of somatic learning and a lot of experiential learning. What mm-hmm. I have learned from being in this industry and talking to many therapists is that a lot of therapists do just book learning and theoretical learning. They don't actually have uh, embodiment training, which is yeah. how we learn to hold physical space for trauma and so yeah it surprises me too but I do I have a lot of mental health professionals come through my training and Mm. I'm just blown away I really am just blown away at it and so if you're looking to you know work on your trauma you really have to make sure coach therapist whoever you're working with has had some kind of formal training in trauma and there's a difference between just being trauma informed 
and being trained to work with trauma. Mm, mm, indeed. And and what I'm hearing you say there is that a lot of it, you, you talked about the academia of it, like the understanding of the psychology, a lot of study there. But then I suppose what you're saying is they would go into specifics, you know, so maybe a psychotherapist trained then in trauma or specializes in an area, which is so interesting because I think a lot of people would probably think that therapy is therapy and they'll be able to hold and deal with everything. And, and I certainly had an experience where I had psychotherapy for a while and I was, I was so excited because I thought, this is great. This is what I've always wanted to do. It's been brilliant. And I was quite surprised, shall we say, of what I found. It was useful, but I didn't continue it for, for too long. And then it became clear that they wanted me to continue like ad infinitum and sort of with a coaching mindset as well. It wasn't something that I was really comfortable with and just that it wasn't what I expected, put it that way. And it, now when I look back on that time, I can see that probably I didn't research well enough for the particular person. Did I feel safe? Yes, I did. But was there quite a lot of projection and this is what I think and telling me, yes, there was that too, which of course my whole system rejected because I needed to be about me and, and how I think. So that's really, really interesting. So it's just another pointer for anyone listening who's thinking of working in these particular areas to really do the research as well, isn't it? It's that due diligence, it's that discernment um, is a really good point. And then also going back to what you said, Melissa, about the self-discernment, you know, knowing, I mean, you can be trained in a million things and still not be able to hold it well. You know, it's, it's the practice, isn't it? And sometimes your experience, you know, really does shine and other times the inexperience doesn't, but other times the inexperience doesn't matter because you've got a different way of holding space. And so I think that discernment, that self-discernment is really, really important as well. If I start feeling uncomfortable at any point, I know that that's a sign that, you know, that is not in my remit. And some of my clients have also got therapists mm -hmm. at my advice as well, because I can see what is needed or I've at least recommended it and know how to you know, signpost. Um, so I think, yeah, it still feels like we're in the Wild West, <laughs> you know, the, now with the therapists as well. So everybody is pretty much, I think, would say 99% it ha carry trauma, some more obvious than others. Um, but it's really how to hold a person, isn't it? This is what we're talking about, how to meet someone where they're at, you know, how to really listen to them, really see them, and know how to hold yourself also in that space. Um, and so the training that you you do is really all about that, isn't it? And, you know, you did mention that the, I think it, you call it backlash that you got right at the beginning and you said somewhat now. Um, and let's just talk about your content because your content is quite strong and it's very direct and you know, a lot of people really like it, but, you know, I'm really interested in what could people possibly oppose in it? You know, because I, I read it and I'm like, well, yeah, that is strong. I get it, but I'm supportive of it. What what responses do you get that you would class as the backlash that's going on there? Oh, it's like that, you know, I'm a know-it-all and that people don't need regulations in the coaching industry. That's why it's so beautiful because they could be their creative selves and that regulations are just going to 
stifle, you know, the whole industry and make it rigid? And what does regular regulations do for humanity anyway? Look how messed up, you know, all of our systems are like, is the mental health system any better or, you know, the school system or these kind of backlashes where it's like, yeah, I get that no, you know, overseeing board is perfect or going to make a whole industry perfect, but that doesn't mm. mean we don't need rules and regulations to try to, you know, have people be educated. It's like about education. Yeah. So many coaches come to me and they're like, I don't even know what is ethical to do, what is not ethical to do. I don't know. Nobody taught me about that in my marketing or in my sessions. And so part of what, you know, I do is educate people. And I think in doing that, it triggers a lot of these people that are not being ethical and it is threatening to Mm -hmm. their businesses that are very successful off of this model. So I too, like, you know how you were saying with the one coach, you were like, oh God, is she going to do something bad to me? I have those thoughts too sometimes. (laughs) Wow, I'm threatening like multi-million dollar businesses that have been built completely unethically. And these people are mad at me. They're very angry that I'm speaking up and starting to educate on this. So maybe I need to move to a gated community. I don't know. <laughs> it, just, it, it disrupts what, what comes to my mind there, Melissa, is that that you, that's going to get in my way. You know, if I've yeah. got to do this, this, this training and I've got to do this coaching and then I've got to have the supervision and I've got to go and CPD and da, 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 that's going to really get in my way. So can you please pipe down about that so that I don't have to do that uh, and not be able to make my seven figures um, and that people are going to have eyes on me and I don't want that. That's what I hear personally, um, yeah. because anybody that cares around, around their what they're doing, uh, being the best that they can as a coach, that's always what I'm trying to do is work to my best capacity, my best intention and help my clients to move and shift and change and grow. And that's what happens. And so anything that makes that stronger or better, I would be up for. But not if that wasn't my intention. Not 100%. then. Uh-huh. So, like who's upset? It's the people that are really benefiting yeah. and profiting off of doing this kind of dangerous yeah. coaching and marketing. They're the ones that are most upset. And it's interesting because a lot of these big name girls have come through my program to post on their Instagram, like, Hey, I'm in this trauma informed program, but they don't show up. And then when I address them, it's like, you're traumatizing me. Like they, (laughs) Oh my goodness. Really? Oh, I've had that a number of times already happen. And then they turn it around and because I'm addressing my concerns with them, Mm -hmm. I'm now traumatizing them and not a safe person. Like I should just let them slide through and keep posting on their Instagram that they're doing trauma-informed work, but not show up. And when they do show up, they're not really doing the work. Mm -hmm. And so I am a little outspoken. I'm from Jersey. I can't help it. But I'm also very loving. And I I take a direct and loving approach because I do want to see people make change. I am holding the space for them to make that change if they decide that they want to be more ethical or to learn a little bit more about what it is to be psychologically safe. So I always come from a loving, 
but mm-hmm. direct space. And it has been very threatening to a lot of these girls that have, you know, seven figure plus businesses that do not want to be addressed at all. Yeah. And then they become avoidant or they become very confrontational with me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting that you use the word girls, you know, yeah, girls. It's, a lot it's, of it's, they're girls, but it's also like that whole playground essence, you know? So therefore what is going on with the girls? Do you know what I mean? The mean girls and what's happening there is really, really dangerous. And also, you know, I think it sounds great what you do, because actually the biggest gift that we can have from another coach, from another human in the right space is to get feedback, which may be difficult to receive. But when it's given in the right way and it's given with love and it's shared in the the safe way, it's the biggest gift you can have. It's like it's, it's about not enabling people to continue. You know, sometimes I have to give that gift to my clients and, and they'll say something and I'll be like, really, is that true? And they're like, oh, you know, it hurts a little, it stings a little, but they're safe, so it's fine. They're like, no, you know, and and you can move on. Otherwise, you're just sort of enabling all these patterns and all these behaviours. So I think that's what brave coaching is about. And I'm sure you absolutely do that with love and tenderness. But, you know, if people aren't going to show up to cohorts and training and they want the tick, pop it on my Insta, I've done this. It's rubbish. Like anyone can do training. Anyone can do courses. You want to buy that certificate. Um, It is the embodiment of it. And that has to come down to the intention of the coach and, you know, the commitment to our own game and to our clients results and, you know, what what we're actually doing. Um, And so I thank you for being in in the industry. I'm glad that people like you are there. I'm glad that we can have these conversations. And I hope that anyone listening can sort of take away probably the one biggest keyword, which is discernment, you know, and don't believe everything you see. It's all a big illusion, you know, and if your if your system goes off and you've got a red flag, listen to it. We've all done that where we don't, but more and more, especially if it involves your ten or twenty thousand dollars or pounds or whatever it you've got, especially them. You know, I've bought programs, Melissa, where I felt highly dysregulated and incredibly stressed handing over a large amount of money and I was told that it was my pattern it was just me and it was up to me if I wanted to break it and blah 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 and all of that and I had I remember having such a hot flush of like complete what I know now was going on it was awful awful because it's my it was- biggest pet peeve like that right there is my biggest pet peeve when somebody feels nervous to make such a large investment and then you're pushed through it like well this is your pattern this is how you're going to be successful that is the most damaging feedback that somebody Mm -hmm. can hold for somebody that's having distress around their finances it's actually going to increase that stress instead of just simply saying, wow, I really get how hard this is. Let's talk about this, right? Let's go into this a little so I could give you some support here because I understand how hard it is to make these big leaps of faith. Let's look at what's coming up, right? And explore this together. And that it's okay if you don't. It's okay. It doesn't doesn't mean anything about yourself it's just maybe this is just not the right time you know because you've got to feel comfortable and excited about what you've done and be able to put your head on the pillow at night I'm, I'm okay with that what I've done I can afford it I've not stretched myself 
had one coach that was encouraging me to go to the bank, get a loan. I oh, they're believe it. out there. They are ruthless. Ruthless. I was like, I won't be doing that. I won't be doing that. It's I said, I won't be doing that. Abuse. That is financial it is. abuse. It's yeah. manipulation and financial abuse. And it is absolutely unacceptable. It and, is out there. Know, so we're in we're in the waters and the sharks they circle. Um and so you know Oh, sorry, honey. One, mm. just one thing that I really want to say is if so- mm. somebody doesn't have their prices like outright, the prices should be shown so that there's mm. no surprise on these sales calls. And then it, it puts you in a place of disempowerment, not mm. knowing somebody's price. When you get on a sales call, it puts you in a power dynamic where they're holding the information back and then they give it to you. And now you're in a vulnerable position. So. Making it awful, awful, right? That has to get taken out of the equation. In my Mm -hmm. opinion, these sales calls and transforming people's objections, like this is all manipulation. This is all Mm -hmm. manipulation and cannot be part of an industry of supporting people in their growth and development. That's starting off in a very unsafe container right from the beginning. Yes, it is. It is. And I knew in that experience, my experience, I knew I was looking at a big number. Do you know why? Because the sales call was long and it was good. And I knew because I've been trained in that. And I was like, I was almost more impressed with like the absolute beauty of the call and the skill that they had, which was Oh, there was nothing really wrong with it. It was, and I was like, wow, I I was impressed with that. I tuned out ages ago. I knew I wasn't, but I knew it was going to be expensive because it was long. And the longer you're there and the longer you're working through a breakthrough and the longer you're tapping in and the longer that it's going to be a high ticket. And it was, it was, it was 30 grand, 30 grand. And I said straight out, that's not the level that I'm at for investing right now to do this. And also what was lacking from all of that was precision scientific precision but you know what was lacking empathy yeah yeah cold cold it was cold and I was like wow I couldn't work with that there's no warmth there's no empathy you're not seeing me you're just going through your beautiful process which was very excellently delivered but when I said no to that we had another half an hour on the call about credit cards banks loans what could you do to pull that together, you know, would it be worth to spend 30000 to get a 100000 return? I said, yeah, but I'm not gambling here. That's not what I'm doing. Um, and it didn't go down well. And I, I, even with my experience in that environment, and I never sold unethically, but I was trained well, I found it hard to get off the call. Yeah. I was yeah, like, I need to get off this call now, you know? It was a Saturday. Predatory. It was. And it was a lot of follow-up after it as well. And so, you know, it's important that I share these experiences too because um, it's not just like for, you know, super vulnerable women or quiet women or people that call. It's nothing to do with that. It's all of us, you know, whether you're confident, whether you're quiet, whether you've got experience, whether you haven't. And I think that's why sharing experiences are important because they're like, gosh, you know, that it can happen to anyone. You've got to have your wits about you. It um, happened to me. And I, and I lost more yeah. than $30,000 with that business coach, more yeah. than $30,000 because yeah. I 
that is traumatic. Oh my gosh, it is so traumatic. It is so traumatic. And then to be met with such gaslighting, it, it's it's extremely traumatic. So that in itself, the, these kind of sales calls, the, this kind of not putting your prices up front, red flags all over the place. When we talk yeah. about discernment, right there, like look at somebody's process of marketing and sales. And if it's like this, where they don't tell you till the end what the price is, and they're putting you in this sales conversation that's very enticing and puts you in this rapture, like you're saying, you get so impressed with the way they're speaking to you. Well, yeah, we know that selling has a lot of persuasion involved, right? And when we're talking about our personal growth and development, it's very different than buying a shirt from the gap and the persuasion that they use in their marketing, because this isn't a person that you're going to trust with your psyche eventually. And so this is the biggest red flag to to entering an unsafe power dynamic. Yeah, it's looking for those flags. And and you're right, because what I very quickly realized was the way that sales can be done in corporate and in different kinds of business environments and how you might do deals and all that kind of stuff is very, very different to to the selling process that is required Working with somebody on a personal level on a one-to-one space like that is super, super different. And it has to, it has to be different. I mean, the sales process is the same. You know, you've got to find out what someone needs and you've got to match the needs and then make them the offer. That's fairly simple, but it's the way that it's done. And it was very interesting to me with my background to look at that. And I thought this, these don't translate. You, you can't bring that over like that and, and do a deal. Um, and right. get, you, you can't get in the groove like that, that you can in. It's, it's a different thing because this is on a different level. Um, and so it's really, really interesting. And, you know, how can how can people find out a little bit more, Melissa? We're going to have some of your links. We'll be in the show notes. So anyone that's interested, absolutely go connect with Melissa. But what's the best place for them to find more information about this, um, to do a little bit of research? Is there any way you can direct them in your world? So um, you could find... Uh, me on Instagram, Melissa Lapidus at Safe Space Institute, same with Facebook. And my website is safetraumahealing.com. But be looking out for um, this board of ethics for coaching and personal development, which is something that will be popping up in the next few months. And we will be presenting a guidebook for ethics in the coaching and personal development industry that will be free for anybody who would like to have this book and really understand what ethical behavior is in this industry. Wonderful. So perhaps when you are a little further down the line, you come back uh, and we can have another conversation about that because that, you know, that does sound great and it's going to support all the ethics um, and guidance that is already there um, and and really start to sort of pull these threads together because I know a lot of people care about this. I know a lot of people in my audience um, definitely care about this and will be hopefully encouraged um, and inspired by this conversation to either take up their own further training, deepen their discernment, or at the very least, just take a, a listen into what Melissa is saying and sharing in her content. So, Thank you so much for your time. I know we could talk about this for a very long time. I think we forget we're not sitting in a restaurant having a chat together because it just feels so great conversation. And I hope that everyone listening has enjoyed 
and be sharing this. And if you have, then please do leave a review on the podcast, connect with Melissa. Um, and if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or contribute an article to coach, come and speak to me. I'm very also very easy to find all over the place. So thanks, Melissa. I hope you have a wonderful sunny day in California. I'm sure you will because sun always shines there, right? <laughs> Uh, as we go into the evening over here in the uk um it's been wonderful to spend time with you and i i really do appreciate it thank you so much it's been wonderful to be here and i really appreciate and honor what you're doing so thank you so much for doing what you're doing and spreading the word so welcome i think our values are, are, are very much aligned with your business and mine and personally so it's been a pleasure thank you thank you too You can read Coach Magazine for free online every quarter. Just subscribe at coach-magazine.com and receive it direct to your inbox. You can order print copies, book a directory listing, find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram.